Well, folks, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. We could use that phrase uh, sort of jokingly sometimes when, you know, we're going through something and we're thinking, oh man, I don't think I'm going to make it through this. The struggle's real. <laughs> it's, uh, oh man, I hope she doesn't hate me for doing this. But I think it's Sky back there. <laughs> and she's ready, boy. The struggle's real. <laughs> she's uh, with child and ready to roll here. And, uh, Less than two weeks, uh, and the struggle is real <laughs> with other little ones at your ankles and at your knees and all of that, and it's, it's, the struggle's real, folks. And that's what we're calling this new series, the hashtag, the struggle is real, because you'll post things on social media, and, and I've seen posts like that, like, I am ready. What is it going to take to get this done? I've seen women post that all the time. And they're just sort of done. And anyone that's ever been around or been uh, one of those people um, that is in their last few days or weeks, people are just done. And I've seen that on people's faces. And, oh, how sweet. Don't you tell me how sweet. How do we get it out? (laughs) The struggle is real. And people put that on social media as a hashtag, right? And we talked about that last week. And I don't have our teenagers, too many of them anyway, to make fun of me this week um, about my uh, ineptness of keeping with the trendy phrases, and, and I usually tell them hash brown instead of hashtag. But, you know, we put these things on here, and we, and, we, and we sort of post, and we put this stuff online and for the world to see, and sometimes I don't want to see that. I mean, how many can say, you know what, I didn't need to know that. But we talk about that. And last week we talked about the big problem that we have uh, of being content. Remember we talked about that last week? And the, and the more we compare ourselves with others, the less content we are. Remember we talked about that. And we're sort of going through some things in this series. And later on in this series, we're going to talk about authenticity. And that's a big one, right? Because I talked last week about what we project people to see in our lives, not only on social media, but when we... Even a gathering like this, oh, you know, we can put our nice shirt on and we can, you know, look our Sunday best. You look across the aisle and you think, oh, man, that, that family, that couple, that person, they got it together. Look at that. They're just dressed nice. They talk well. They this, they that. Whatever you kind of get this preconceived notion about how people have it together. And people sometimes do that on purpose so that you don't see that. And I'm going to don't see what's behind the scenes. And we'll talk about what the Bible says about authenticity, because the reality is that uh, in this sort of social media driven world right now, we're very tempted to become very filtered in what we show the rest of the world, in person too. We filter ourselves, we filter our pictures, we filter, we edit our perfect little post, right? How many times? Oh wait, let's take the picture again. The, The shadow wasn't quite right, or your eyes were closed, or whatever. Instead of the moment, we tend to capture the perfect, let's, let's, make, let's make this nice and tidy and let's filter this. And we edit everything to say what, exactly what we want to say and show you the parts of our lives that we want to see. And the more filtered we become, the more difficult it is to be authentic. And we'll look and see what the Bible has to say about that in, in the coming weeks. 
But today what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, relationships, and more, more specifically, intimacy in relationships. Because we all know that you know, social media and technology, there are a lot of benefits. I agree, and, and we would agree. And, and, and in fact, we embrace it even as a church. You know, we believe in leveraging that technology to spread the gospel. And I think that it, it can and does do some great work. To connect with other people and, and to connect really it made a big world much, much, much smaller. And so many different forms of, of, of online activity, let's call it, social media and, and, and Zooming. How many know that, my goodness, if I had another Zoom meeting, I was kind of glad to see Zoom kind of, you know, we can start talking face to face because, boy, during 2020, Zoom was the thing. But all of these advantages of technology, you know, in fact... You know, many of you know that um, our daughter started college, right, at Mount Vernon a few weeks ago. And, you know, I, I appreciate the technology that she can call or FaceTime or whatever um, to let us know and let me know how she's doing. You know, she knows, she knows dad so well, right? Um, I need to know that she's doing okay. How many parents have sent their kids to college and you think, you know, you, you pray that you've done an all right job and there they go. And I need to know that she's doing all right. Like she, need, she knows her dad well enough that she needs to know that I look forward to hearing from her. And I need to hear that. I need you to tell me you're doing all right. Uh, and I appreciate that technology to be able to do that. And, and here, at, here at GSN, we minister to a lot of people through technology and through social media. We hear about prayer requests that are sent out every day and every, everything that we, uh, we do on our Facebook page and things like that. It is good. I'm not downplaying any of that. It is good and it's incredible that we even have the ability to do it because there are some younger people in this room this morning that don't know this world without that. Some of us that are... Uh, getting on in years, or a little bit older, I don't know how to put it any more kindly, that, you know, my goodness, yeah. But some of us that are more mature, we remember a time when that stuff didn't exist, and, and it, was just, it was fine, it just didn't exist. But that being said, um, I'm about to tell you that if you do too much of this, and are consumed by it, it can actually hurt relationships. How many know that we serve a relational God, right? And not just this, you know, not just this, but a relational God, this, face-to-face, hand-to-hand, arm-to-shoulder. We serve a relational God, and I'll get into that. So we love this kind of stuff, and we're able to do it, but we need to manage it. So I want to talk to you today and this morning specifically about intimacy in relationship. And I hope you'll hear everything this morning that we talk about through the lens of the words of Jesus in John chapter 13. John 13, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to hear everything that's going to be said this morning. And this is so important that we hear everything through the lens of John 13. The context of these verses is that when we listen and and hear the words of Jesus, think of everything that's said after this with these words echoing in your mind and see it through the lens. Jesus had come and he had washed the disciples' feet. And I can't tell you what a stunning, self-sacrificing, humble move this was for Jesus. For the Son of God to kneel down and do what was considered a low 
and humiliating, a humble task to wash the feet of the disciples. In fact, I want everyone to remove their shoes and come. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. How many don't do feet? I don't do, I don't do feet. I don't need to see your hobbit feet walking across here, and I'm not... Boy, y'all are a little bit... All right, it's going to get better, I promise. Whew. But Jesus, this humble task, normally you would come in after, you know, people would come in and, the, and it was dusty. You know, they were walking around sandals on a lot of times and their feet weren't completely covered and, and their, their feet would be dusty and dirty. And before you would come into someone's home, the hu- humility and the humble thing you can do would be to wash their feet and show you that you're a guest in my home and we're accepting you as that. And let me do this humble thing and wash your feet for you. And Jesus did exact, exactly that in this passage. He showed his love through that. And John 13, if you have it, say amen. Good. John 13, we'll pick it up in verse 34. After seeing all this, Jesus washing their feet and all of that going on, He caps it off and He says this to them, A new command I give you. And what is this command? A new command I give you, say it together, love one another. He said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So you must what? Love one another. Right. And then in verse 35, he says this, and this turns right, he turns right around into this. By this, by what? Right. By loving one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. I'm going to get this into your brain and on your tongue and coming out. Because this is a time where we need to love one another. I've touched on some of that last week. We'll hear a little bit more in a bit. But what I love about this is not just what he said, but also what Jesus didn't say. Notice he said, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. What he didn't say is they will know you are my disciples if you have perfect theology. Now, theology is important and and good, but he didn't say that that's how the world will know that you follow me. He didn't say they will know you are my disciples if you're always in church. It's a good thing to be in church, but that's not what defines if you follow Jesus. He didn't say they will know you are my disciples if you have a fish sticker on the back of your car. Right? Or if you have that scripture on the back of your window. Or if you have something. What's the, the, the he is greater than everything symbol now. Right? That's the trendy thing that's on the back of cars and windows. Which quite, quite honestly, some of you probably shouldn't even have that on your car. Because they're going to question if you're a disciple by the way you drive. Right? Wow, it is quiet near this morning. I might need to come down there. Don't make me come down there. They're going to know that we are disciples by the way that we love and treat one another. The sacrificial love of Jesus inside our hearts, they will know we are disciples by how we love one another. So I want you to listen to everything going forward through the lens of this, of this scripture. Because I'm I'm pretty focused in, let's say, on this subject. The big question this morning I want to ask you, and looking at it through the lens of this scripture, 
and looking at Jesus' relationship to these disciples and what has gone on before He said this with the washing of the feet? How is technology changing our relationships? And how is it impacting and changing our relationships in the light of this lens of loving one another? And we know that it's helping in a lot of, a lot of ways, and there's probably some unintended negative consequences as well for technology and relationships, and we can talk about hundreds of ways that it's changing things, but I want to raise really three big issues that will impact our talk this morning and how is technology changing our relationships. For the first thing, if you're taking notes, the first thing, the first way that things are changing in our relationships, and, and God is a relational God, and, and I want us really set this up, loving one another, having this relationship, not only with God, but with one another. How many have heard the, the phrase where the cross represents God's love? First of all, the, the beam that goes up re- represents the love that we have for Him and Him for us. But the beam that goes across is our horizontal love for one another. And that reflects and intersects where His love for us should show the love for one another and all of that. Anybody ever heard that before? But that's kind of what I think of with the cross. The, The vertical love and the horizontal love. And one thing that changes with this thing called technology is that the word, the term friend has changed. When we have a relationship with someone, we consider them our friend, right? It's our friend. The term friend, for example. Remember, a friend used to be someone you did life with, right? A friend. We were together doing life together. And I mean, how many grew up with a ton of friends? You just had them all. They were in the neighborhood. You had the house that everybody went to, right? Maybe that was your house. But you had that friend. I had a lot of really close friends growing up. In fact, I sent this picture to one of my friends growing up. From, uh, from when I was younger. And it says, friendship is so weird. You're, you just pick a human you've met, and you're like, yep, this one. And you just do stuff with them. Like, that was me growing up. I, I sent that to my best friend growing up. And I said, man, that's just kind of what we did, right? Kind of what we did. We just picked a human, and we said, you know what? Let's start doing stuff together. And we'd ride our bikes, and we'd go around, and we had this friendship. But the term friend has changed. Now a friend can be someone that you've actually never even met in person. In fact, I've always sort of resented the fact that uh, Facebook, let's just call it what it is, um, termed everyone a friend. Oh, they're my friend. Are they? Do you have a relationship with that person? No, but they're my friend. You're talking to someone in conversation. Oh, my friend just went to Montana. Your friend, really. I can give you examples of things that I've heard and even things that I've said myself where someone would make a comment on something that I know maybe my wife had posted or going through some stuff and a friend will have reached out and said, hey, how can I, you know, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, One time, let me just tell you this. One time a friend had a really strong opinion. A friend. I was on Facebook for about two weeks, maybe two months, and then I was out. But during that time, a friend had made a comment that I said, you know what, you don't even know my wife. I had to restrain myself. Gentlemen, please help me here. 
I had to sort of say, you know what? You don't, I, don't, I haven't ever heard your name. And I'm married to this woman. You are not a friend. But the, word, the term friend has changed. The average user of social media, Facebook user has 328 Facebook friends. And that was from a few years ago. It's probably twice that now. But the average American says they only have two close friends, like that they were doing life with, and it's down from six to two. And yet 25% of Americans would also say that they don't really have any close friends. So the struggle is real. You may have 328 or 528 friends, but no real close friends. And I got to tell you, we could argue all day long that we have a lot of online interactivity and, and we may have very limited personal relationships. God calls us to have friends, but this kind of friends. God is a relational God, and I'm going I'm to really hit that home coming up. But the term friend has changed. The second thing that's interesting to me is this. We're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. Immediate affirmation. In other words, you know, hey, I'm feeling a little bit lonely today. Maybe I'm a little lonely today. And, oh, you know, maybe, maybe I could fix that. And I could, I could do this. Maybe I could do this. Hey, everyone. Let me get to the full side. <laughs> let me get everybody. There, I could kind of do this. Well, make sure my chin's just right. Right, we've got to look up. Come on, you never did this? Get out of here. And we take it, and there it is. And if you're feeling a little bit lonely or a little bit down that day, you could take a, take a selfie right next to the perfect stream in the perfect park and the whatever. And I could take that, and I could do this. I could put it online real quick, and I could do that, and I could hashtag it, and it could be right online. And a minute later, I could check and see how many likes I have, right? How many do I have? We've become addicted to this, this problem of immediate affirmation. If I'm feeling just a little bit questionable about myself or who I am, I can immediately post something and then go back and check likes. Oh, look. Oh, there they are. And you go back and you check your likes. And somebody could immediately, you need, oh, man, you know, I love that new shirt. Man, did you, did you, get, a new, did you get a haircut? Somebody could say, well, man. And you want that immediate feedback. You need that immediate Oh, somebody liked my picture. And you click on that. And you, who liked it? Oh, look, so-and-so liked it. I like them. I'm glad they liked my stuff. I had Ryan Stevenson like a few of my posts once. They were of him. <laughs> Hello. They weren't really. What's happening is we're becoming addicted to this immediate feedback and... and you know, scientists even will tell you that, you know, that releases something in our brains that says something about, you know, that immediate feedback. It releases this dopamine and, and we become, you know, well, what did they say? Did they like it? Did, how many people liked it? I mean, did she like it? She never likes any of my pictures. And I, well, why don't, why don't she like, you know what, I'm not liking her, th- her stuff anymore either. And in fact, I might unfriend her. Oh boy, no, my goodness, I'm going to unfollow people. And, and the good part about unfriending someone, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, they don't know if you've really done it when you do it. So you can kind of covertly go like, and you know what? Unfriended makes you feel good, but they really could care less. 
And they don't even know. But we get to this immediate feedback that we need. And what it's doing, it's meeting this short-term need that we have. And it's fulfilling that short-term, but we're deferring a longer-term, deeper need. What, they, what social, sociological, sociologists have called deferred loneliness. When we get that immediate feedback, that's what we need. Go back and look at your likes. Oh, 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 look, two, two three, four. Oh, I only got 33 likes. Last week I got 37 likes. And we're, we're hooked on this instant gratification so technology is changing things. The, the word friend has changed. We're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. And the last thing is, we have the power to do friendship and relationship on our own terms. We have the power to do relationships and friendship on our own terms. In other words, in other words if, if, if I get a text... If, if Nick texts me, I have the choice to read that text, to respond to it, or to get to it later. I'm in control. I have the power to do friendship on my own terms. I have the power to like that picture or not. If Kathy posts a picture on Instagram, I can determine... If that's like-worthy or not. Is it worth that double tap of my finger? You ever like something by accident? Oh no! Not liking that! Or do I scroll right by? Or someone else might post something. Do I double tap? Or do I just scroll right by that cat picture again? In fact, if they post another cat picture, I might unfollow them. Because I'm in control and I have the power to negotiate the friendship on my terms. I can manage it from a distance. And I'll show you what part of me I want you to see. And I'll, I'll tell you what I want to tell you. And I'll respond if I choose to. And, and I'll, I'll see. And, I, and sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. And if you post too many pictures of your product or too many duck face selfies, I will unfollow you because I'm in control of this relationship here. And we wake up and the term friendship has changed. And today I want to show you through the light of that lens that we read before in the scriptures that we're going to read now, how to get from superficial friendships on our own terms to meaningful, Christ-centered relationship that we all crave, need, and were created for. How do we get from here to here? Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 and verse 24. It says this. Let us think of ways. I love this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Wouldn't it be amazing to get together with other Jesus followers and say, how can we be so aggressive in the way that we show love that people are like, you know what, they've got to be Christians. Have you seen the way that they love one another? And then let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. He goes on to say this, and let us not neglect our meeting together. He doesn't say, and let us not neglect our commenting on one another's posts. He says, let us not neglect our meeting together 
And we so often take this verse before we read this verse. We go, oh, people should come to church. That's what we say. Oh, let us not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Back up one verse. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. How do we do that? We get together. And we talk to each other face to face. Not only on a Sunday morning. Some of us need to rediscover the power of practicing presence. Presence. Being together with other people. In fact, Jesus said this, and and we grab this out of context. Whenever two or three gather together in my my name, uh, there I am in the midst of them. So often we say, well, when two or three are gathered together, you don't need two people to gather together for Jesus to come. I get that. But that's what he's saying. Gather together. Relationally, gather together. This is not gathering together. We come together with other believers in the name of Jesus. We experience the presence of Christ in a supernatural way. We can experience His presence alone. I get it, I get it, I get it. Absolutely. But I know, saints, you would agree. Jesus' followers would agree. Something powerful happens when we come together with other believers. We seek God in prayer together. The the time at the altar this morning, that don't happen when you're by yourself. That time, you can have special times of prayer alone, by yourself. I get 100%. But when you come together and you can see other believers and you have the, the support of other believers that will lift your name in prayer together, and you... Your faith connects and you petition the throne of God. You experience the power of God's presence in a very real and sort of tangible way. Something happens when we collectively worship. We lift up holy hands to Him with other believers and experience His presence together. Something happens when you open up God's Word as believers have done for centuries. You read His Word together with other believers. Folks, there's power in presence. Think about it this way, and this this, brings this whole thing home. Think about it this way. God didn't shout His love down from heaven, right? I love you! I love you, people! I do! I love you! I'm up here. You're down there. But I love you. I love you. He didn't shout His love from heaven. What did He do? He showed His love on earth. He stripped Himself of all heavenly glory and became one of us. God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, that's Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us. God became, He didn't shout His love. He showed His love. He became one of us. He lived with us. He loved those that others rejected. He was there. He was present. God knows the power of presence. He poured His heart into those that the religious community said aren't worthy. 
He ate with and dined with and fellowshiped with and was present with tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, those on the margins. God didn't shout His love from heaven. He showed His love on earth. And there's something about presence that is so powerful and yet so many of us settle for something less than presence. I want to get really practical this morning. In fact, it's as practical as I can get and give you two thoughts that are almost offensively simple, but yet so necessary for today. And if you'll apply these, I promise, promise, promise you that the Holy Spirit will enter into relationships that you have and they will be far more than they are today. Two thoughts if you're taking notes. The first thing I want to encourage you to do is to be present. Practice the power of presence. In fact, let's just do this. Let's have a little exercise so I can wake you up maybe a little bit. Look a little like the frozen chosen this morning. So I want to just sort of stir it up a little bit this morning. Everybody say this. I will love people. Face to face. Not thumbs to thumbs. Alright, now let's do it like you mean it. I will love people. Face to face, not thumbs to thumbs. Here's the good news. If you're married, you can also love them belly button to belly button. But only if you're married. And that's another sermon. Only if you're married. I will love people face to face and not just thumbs to thumbs. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. Don't just pretend to love others. Doesn't the scripture come alive? Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Not just stay at the shallow sort of level, but what are we going to do? It says really love them, love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Love people, really love them, he says. Be present in their lives. He says that, and it... Love one another with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I think we've lost a little bit of this in our culture today. Honoring each other. It's been heavy on my heart uh, about um, parents lately and how we are so dug in, and, and there, I touched on this last week, people are so dug in and ready to get up on their soapbox and tell you what they think, and they'll even do it in the face of their own parents. You know, the Asian cultures, they respect their elders and, the, and, and people, their parents and the elderly, and people like that, they just have this high esteem. It's yes sir, no sir. Even in the South, here in the United States, yes ma'am, no sir. Yes sir, no ma'am. But people will get up and this honoring of one another. We've lost so much of that. Let's suppose you got a friend or family member that's hurting and they may have got some bad news, right? Bad medical report, bad. They didn't get into the school they wanted to go to. They, their, their, their relationship fell apart. Whatever it is, they've got bad news about their spouse. Whatever the case is, what's an acceptable way to show love? What's an acceptable way? Most of us would do this. Hey, thinking about you today. Whoop. I get a text like that once in a while. Thinking about you, Pastor. Okay. 
Thanks for thinking about me. Don't just think about me. Pray for me. And not just me, but I mean in your relationship. Don't just think about that person. Pray for them. What are you doing thinking about you? No, you know what? Praying for you. How about that? And then actually do it. So many times we say that, don't we? Jesus followers, you, you, God's, God hears you. Don't lie in church. <laughs> but God hears you. I'm praying for you. And that's the last time you'll say that person's name until you see them again. Are you praying for them? Praying for you. Let's take it up a notch. Because we're followers of Jesus and we want to be known by we want to be known by God, by the way, or by the by society, by the way we love one another. But he said, You will know they will know your Jesus followers by your love. There's another thing you can do with this. I don't know how many of you know this, but you can actually it's not just something you type on or scroll on. You can actually talk on this. Yeah. I know, right? And you can look up your contacts and dial someone. How many have forgotten phone numbers, right? It's just Gary. I don't know your number, Gary. It's just Gary. There he is. But you can call and get listen to the tone of their voice. How many know the tones can't, you can't decipher? How many have been misunderstood by a text? Right? You send that text. He hates me. Which is the opposite of what I meant. Call them. You can pray with them over the phone. It's not awkward. It's not awkward. You could talk to someone, have a conversation. I promise you can I promise this can go a lot farther than this. It's just let's take it up a notch. You don't just text, you don't just call. What's another way we can show love and honor one another? You can get in your car, get on your scooter, hop on your moped, get on your Segway, whatever you got. Get on your skateboard. You should see Betsy's skateboard. It's pretty cool. Go across town, whatever it was. Sit down with someone face to face. Talk to them. Have, have coffee. Sit down with them. Talk to them. If they're crying, wrap your arm around them. If, if you're a guy, punch them in the shoulder. You know what I mean? I mean, flat-handed bottom punch. That's okay, fellas. You're in it with them though. You're, it's, the, it's the, you know what, we're here in present. Practice presence because there's something powerful in presence. And speaking of practicing presence, think of those who are in their deepest needs. When they have their deepest concerns, their deepest need. Practice presence. It's not just something the pastor should do. It's not just something that those who are called into ministry should do by going and practicing presence. I remember, personally, I remember when our dear Carolyn was in her last days. And I had visited a few times and and it was late at night and I had just visited with the family. You'll remember this, Louise. I had just visited with the family and I was driving home and uh, I knew it was, we all knew it was going to just be, it was soon. It was about 11.30 at night and I got a call from Louise. I think it was Louise, you called me. And she had just passed away. And I was, I was literally steps almost, five minutes from being home. And it's not even a question, you know, not as a pastor, but as a Jesus follower, as a friend, as a face-to-face friend. 
You just turn around and you drive back. That's what you do. Presence. Could you, what could I do, right? She was gone. And what can you do? You know, you, ah, well, you know what you do? You practice presence. And it isn't always a sad occasion. A few years ago, I had the privilege of holding a brand new baby in the hospital. And I am not, for those of you that don't know, I am not baby holding guy. I don't even get that. You want to hold the baby? Not really. Man, guys, can you, am I the only one? Yeah, right. You want to hold the baby? Nah, I'm good. I've held babies, I know it. Okay, now holding the baby. But I was honored when I was asked just a few years ago in a hospital room, and it's not always sad occasions to practice presence, to hold little CJ in my arms and think, boy, where's God going to take this little guy? He has a family heritage of being born into a godly family and, and, and all of these, you know, grandma, grandpas and greats and all this stuff. And I'm looking into this little guy and I'm like, all right, buddy, <laughs> I'm holding the baby. <laughs> I remember another time I was called to go see a man in the hospital that was dying. And I didn't know this man at all. Not at all. But the family member just didn't want this guy to die alone. They said, yeah, I got this uncle and he's, he's about to pass away and, and the family's all gone and there's no one really to go. And, and I've heard that you'll do this kind of thing. I'm like, well, that's kind of what I do. And they were like, you know, can you... And it, it was all about being present. Presence. Something powerful about being present with someone. About praying with and not just praying for someone. God is a relational God. He created us to love Him and to love one another. And if we, we, lo- we can love each other from a distance with technology and all these different means. But it's so much more when we're present and face to face. And I don't know what this would mean to you, but I really want you to think this morning. It might mean that you, 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 you reach out to someone and you go have a meal or you go to check on someone you haven't talked to in a while, or it might mean that you do lunch sometime with a family member, uh, or whatever that might mean to you. But presence, looking at presence through the lens of, they will know you're my disciple by the way you love one another. Reach out. Be present. Today's society, we live to sort of keep people out. We do. Like, like you've made it when you, when you live in a gated community, right? Boom. Only those that are allowed in here are allowed in here. So often we come home from work or come home from whatever, and we go in the garage, and the garage door goes down, and that's it. but maybe you'll be motivated by what you've read in the Scripture this morning. There's something holy about being present with other people. Is it going to get messy? It could get messy, yeah. But if you're missing the joy and the the blessing of Christian community of opening up God's Word with one another, doing life together, encouraging one another, 
You could control it and keep it at a distance. I know you can. You don't really want to be friends with, friends with them. And you can control it. I'm not going to respond. But you got to do life together. And then I know it's not everybody. You're not going to click with you and you're not going to click with them. And they, but you'll click with somebody. And you'll have a relationship with somebody. I really pray that the Spirit of God is speaking to you this morning and that you'll be present with those around you. And then be engaged. In fact, here's what Peter says in 1 Peter. Most important of all, Continue to show deep love for one another. Same thing Paul was saying. For love covers a multitude of sins. He says this, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love one another. Think think he was taking a word out of Paul's letter to the Romans almost. But let us show the truth by our actions. I guarantee you this morning that we've all been to a restaurant and we've all looked around And we've seen a whole family of four or five sitting there enjoying a nice meal together. And and yet no one is present in that moment. Right? We've all seen it, right? You go to the restaurant and everyone's at the table doing what? The parents are doing this. The young people are doing this. Right? Come on. They're all doing it and you've all seen it. I've seen it. Some of you have seen it. I've seen it in my own house. I've got teenage daughters, right? They have their friends over. They sit right next to each other. And they do this. <laughs> I just sent that to you. I'm sitting right here. Send that to me. All right, I'll send it to you. Or walk it over and show me. But people don't practice presence even when they're present. They're alone together. Take it a step further. Parents, moms, dads, you've done this. Mama, mama, look at my drawing. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. But, you know, you're, you're busy. You're not even present. Okay, I'll get to it in a minute. <laughs> I'll get to it in a minute. I'm, I'm searching, you know, mermaid yoga for beginners. I'll be right with you. They're begging for your attention to be engaged. At the end of your life, it's not going to matter how many likes you got. At the end of your life, it's not like you're going to be sitting around going, man, if I'd only gotten a few more. If I had, if I had cleared a hundred that one time, life would be so good. At the end of your life, it's not going to matter how many likes you got. But it's all going to be about how much love you showed. They're going to know that you are followers of Jesus by how you love one another. And at the core of our being, we were created for relationship. Relationship for one another and relationship to God. You know, there's a new, uh, a new phrase that's been added to the dictionary. Um, and it's called FOMO. Anybody know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. We're afraid we're going to miss something. Okay, I'll get to you. Hang on. Oh, I got, I got to find out. Please, please, please. Engage with people face to face. Love people face to face. That's how you will know, the world will know that you're His disciple. 
by the way you love one another. Control this. I'm not going to live my life longing for likes when the whole time I'm actually longing for actual relationship because that's what you were created for. Be a lover of people. Remember that God didn't shout His love to us, but He actually showed His love. Randy. I'm just going to have Randy come up. We're going to close. Remember Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Would you stand this morning? We wrap it all up and I challenge you with that this morning that you would have this one-on-one, face-to-face, find someone that you connect with and do life together with them. Would you bow your heads this morning? The reason you will constantly look for likes and and constantly want more friends and constantly want more connections and followers and all that is because you were created for relationship. And what the social media, what all of this has done is given us a false sense of what that relationship really is. You have a longing. You have a God-given desire. You were created to be in relationship with one another. And the enemy would like nothing more for you than for you to believe the lie that you have genuine relationship with three-quarters of the people that you're friends with online. But would you love one another? Would you find someone that you can love and do life with together? Start with people you have something in common with or someone that you connect with. reason we're hitting all this hard these next couple weeks and talking about love one another because I'm afraid Jesus followers that people aren't showing, showing a whole lot of love these days people like I said last week have their fists up they're ready to go the moment you say something that, you did, that they disagree with you on they're ready to fight they're ready to go Would you love some people this morning? Would you love some people going forward? Really be challenged by what God's Word says about loving one another and how the world sees us. The desire that you have in your heart for all those things comes from the way you were created for community and to love one another in real relationships, just like God did with you. 
God provided His Son, Jesus, right here on this earth to walk and talk with people. And then Jesus died, was buried, and was risen again. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. Okay, God, what about this relationship thing? Now Jesus is gone. He says, you know what? Jesus said, I got to go because I'm sending somebody even better. The Holy Spirit now can live inside of you. And you're back to wholeness and relationship with God again. So as we wrap it up this morning, I'm going to pray. But I want you to be challenged this morning to seek out genuine relationship. Real, genuine, face-to-face, arm-to-arm, shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. Stop the arguing, stop the hatred, stop the backbiting, stop it all. And show the world that you're Jesus' disciple by the way that you love one another. Father, in Jesus' name this morning, I pray that we're all, Lord, convicted by the Holy Spirit this morning. And that, God, we all have room to grow and we all can change. God, help us to love people face to face and not thumbs to thumbs. Help us, Lord, to love genuinely with a Christ-centered love that, Lord, this world would know that if, Lord, there was a stranger that came in the back door of this church or into the back door of our lives or they come across us at work or wherever it is, Lord, at school, we would not have our dukes up ready to go, but that, Lord, we would be shining your love from every fiber of our being so that those folks that don't know you would know that we are followers of you because of the way that we love. Convince us and convict us, Lord, this morning that this is the way you would have us to go from this place. Different, maybe, than when we came in this morning. Father, put people in our lives, Lord, that we would be challenged to love. And help us to love like you did. God, help us that when when we get beyond loving people that we have things in common with or that are easy to love, Lord, help us to get beyond that and to love the people that, Lord, are unlovable in the world's eyes. Only then, Lord, do we love like Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for dealing with our hearts this morning. Thank you, Father, for speaking and your Holy Spirit being alive and doing what the Holy Spirit does. As we leave this place, Lord, may we not depart from your presence. Pray, Lord, for the traveling mercies of the God Squad and all the the parents and young people, Lord, that are coming back home from Washington, Lord, that they would arrive safely and ready to be on fire for you at our next God Squad event. Remember, 
Lord, all of those who are going for surgeries and all of those who are here for anointing and prayer this morning. Father, pray a blessing on their lives that, Lord, you would continue to answer prayer and that your Holy Spirit would go before everything that we do and say. In Jesus' powerful name, and everyone agreed saying amen and amen. Amen. God bless you.